just going to everything with an open mind is definitely the best way to approach any sort of study abroad experience, letting yourself kind of take advantage of opportunities as they come up and say yes to things more than you say no to things, I think is a general good rule of thumb. Welcome to On Arrival, the Traveler's Podcast. We're your hosts, KT and Jordan. Throughout our 20s, we've lived and traveled all around the world and fell in love with exploring new cultures. Here at On Arrival, we interview some of the world's most eccentric travelers to hear their original and authentic stories. We hope this show inspires you to take your next trip. And that when you land, you have a game plan. On Arrival. Today's guest has been to all seven continents, visited well over 70 countries, landed a dream job at Instagram, then quit, and is now a travel entrepreneur and digital nomad. More impressively, she did it all before turning 23. Please welcome our guest today, Caitlin Lubis. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Live from where are you from again? Tell us. Well, I'm from New Jersey. I've spent a lot of time in New York, kind of bouncing around the country the past year. And right now I am in Hawaii on the Big Island. And we're all instantly jealous. (laughs) We were there. Yeah, Yeah, the weather in Michigan is not great. So definitely jealous. Let's start this interview off with the question we ask all of our guests, which is what is your most memorable travel experience? Memorable for sure has got to be Antarctica. I think it's pretty hard to compare anything else with Antarctica. I mean, just the landscape, the animals, the kind of voyage of getting there across the Drake Passage. It's all very memorable in every single aspect. Yeah, yeah. What was some of the things that really stood out on that trip? I mean, I thought it was really cool to be on a boat with 150 so other people who are also obviously huge travelers because not everyone really makes it out to Antarctica or even like has a goal to get there one day. So definitely met a lot of really cool people on the trip. That was really fun. Also, just penguins are one of my favorite animals. So getting to see them in person was absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed also getting really up close and personal with a lot of whales. Like I didn't quite understand the way that it would work before I got onto the trip itself. But you actually kind of depart from the larger ship that you sail on onto these smaller, they call them Zodiac boats. They're basically little lifeboats. But when you're in these small lifeboats getting from your ship to the shore, you can go past whales and you feel like you can just reach out and touch them. They're so close to you. And it's insane seeing the scale of an animal that size next to you when you're on this small boat. It's mind blowing. It's a little terrifying. Yeah. For me, I just, yeah, I just have a fear of sea creatures and just, (laughs) You know, the ocean is such a big and, I don't know, scary kind of place. Yeah, it's just undiscovered in a lot of ways. So and that the, makes the me nervous. And the, <laughs> the ocean are just massive. So it's it's definitely, like, like I said, terrifying. I know we had a guest on last week who was saying when he went there, he was shocked at the smell from the penguins. You just immediately smell it. Oh, wow. yeah. I can attest to that. They definitely have a bit of a smell <laughs> just from their droppings or whatever. It definitely gets to be a little overwhelming the first couple of times, but then you get used to it and they're so cute. It's worth yeah. it. He also said they were very friendly. Where did you, did you find the same thing? 
I think it depends on what time of year you go. Um, I've heard that if you go in like February, when the chicks are kind of walking around and exploring for the first time, that if you just kind of sit on the rocks, they'll come up to you and just walk into your lap because they don't really know any better. But I was there at the beginning of January. So that was kind of like baby penguin hatching season. And I got to actually see a couple chicks peck, peck and break through the eggshell, which is really amazing to see. But at that stage, obviously, the chicks aren't really walking anywhere. And the adult penguins know better than to walk right up to a human. So I didn't see any penguins being too friendly, but they were definitely adorable from a distance. Antarctica would be a place that I think you kind of alluded to it earlier. You don't just end up in Antarctica. Like you purposely go there. Yeah, I was going to ask you, would you go? You know, I don't have a burning desire, but I would be interested. I think penguins like you are super cute. And I'm always about new, new, new. So I want to explore new things. So potentially. All right. (laughs) We'll keep it in mind. I'm going to hold you to that. Because you know I would do it. I definitely would recommend (laughs) the landscape in Antarctica is like nothing else you've ever seen. I used to think that Alaska was amazing with the glaciers. Mm -hmm. Like Iceland was amazing with the glaciers and icebergs, but Antarctica is mind blowing on another level. So definitely, definitely would recommend. And when did you go there? Was that early in your travels or... No, it was one of the more recent places I've been to. Basically, I graduated from college in December of 2019, and I was supposed to be going on this kind of seven-month post-grad trip, kind of just like before I started working, wanted to go see literally everything. So I planned out this very elaborate, like very long trip where I was going to have visited all seven continents in the span of seven months. So Antarctica was the first one, did that in January of 2020, then hopped over to Argentina and like Brazil and bordering countries for a few weeks, then did a seven week safari kind of that was supposed to start in Kenya and end in South Africa. But COVID hit the whole world right in the middle of that. So I ended up flying home from Zimbabwe in mid-March of 2020, which was an adventure. (laughs) Wow. You got to roll with the punches. Yeah, we flew home from Turkey and that was an adventure. So I can only imagine So you said you're currently in Hawaii. What are your upcoming travel plans? Yeah, basically ever since I quit my job in mid-July, I have been full-on nomad lifing it. Earlier this year, I had kind of been a little bit nomadic where I spent two months in San Diego, three months in San Francisco, a month in LA, and then just kind of realized I don't really want to pay rent anywhere, even if it is only one month here and there. So I ended up most of the past month, like middle July to middle of August, I've been hopping around staying with different friends around the country, which has been really nice. And not paying rent has been amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very thankful for my very kind friends all around the country. Recently, I was in Houston and then a bit in Seattle, a bit in the San Juan Islands off the coast of Seattle. And upcoming after Hawaii, I'm stopping back in SF for a bit to see some friends there since I lived there for a few months, going back to New York City for a few days, and then actually heading off to Europe for... First of all, I have my cousin getting married in Spain, which will be super fun and kind of like the whole reason I'm going to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Half of my family is Italian. Like I'm not actually blood Italian, but my dad's half brother is. So my cousin who's Italian is marrying a girl who is Spanish. So very international kind of wedding wedding, situation. Yeah, (laughs) super excited. So you've traveled, obviously, a lot of places. I'm wondering, did you start traveling once you got to college or did you have prior travel experience? So when I was growing up, I definitely traveled probably a bit more than the average person. Nothing super crazy, but I definitely did get a chance to go international when I was younger. My parents would try to take me and my sister on some sort of like, quote unquote, big trip. 
every year or so. Sometimes those big trips were domestic, but I did get to go even to far-flung places within the U.S., like Alaska and Hawaii growing up. Went to a national park for two. And like I said earlier, my dad's family is Italian, so we were able to go to Italy, I think twice when I was growing up, and then also visited my mom's sister who lives in the UK once or twice. So definitely have like been abroad and then also got to visit my mom's home country of the Philippines when I was growing up, but nothing super intense in terms of travel. I definitely started traveling more intentionally and just like aggressively, I guess is kind of the right word when I got Mm -hmm. to college and had a goal for myself that I want to see as much of the world as possible. I think that's one of the best ways to learn not only about the world, but also about yourself, kind of like challenging yourself in new environments. So yeah, during my freshman year of college, I had taken a social entrepreneurship class where I got to go to Ghana, stay there for a week, work and interact with this village that we had partnered with as a university. And It was a really eye-opening experience. Kind of was a place that I never thought I would find myself of all places to Mm go to Ghana. So at that point, I remember sitting in this mud hut in Western Ghana, just thinking about what I wanted to do with the next four years or three and a half years of college at that point. And I just made a goal for myself that I want to visit as many countries as possible. I want to travel as much as possible. I know that I'm learning the most from this experiential type of learning. And I had a goal for myself like at that very moment that like I want to visit all seven continents before I graduate. And so when I got to Antarctica last year, that all came true. So that's good. There you go. <laughs> Sitting in your hut, making big plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that that experience really had a profound impact on you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you said, it made you, ultimately, you made a decision based on that experience that, hey, I'm going to go see the world. I'm wondering, during your travels, are there some specific lessons? Are there anything that you feel like you've learned about yourself or about the world and like some specific skills? What stand out to you when you think about how travel has made you better and, and taught you? Yeah, well, I mean, that's so funny that you asked that because I literally the book that I just wrote is called You Are Where You Go. And each chapter within the book is basically talking about how I went to a specific country or maybe like a series of countries. And they all made me realize one specific lesson or one specific perspective that I don't think I could have learned or really developed any other way other than traveling. So I have quite a bit of examples that I could think of of things that I've learned. I think honestly, the biggest one overarchingly is just like, being able to really empathize really well and like understand that there's so many different ways of life. There's so many different kind of definitions of normal, depending on where you go, that I think it's helped me really understand how to get along with people better by like being able to put myself in other people's shoes and being able to really adjust to different cultural contexts and just really be Mm -hmm. able to mold myself to fit better in whatever environment I'm in or whatever people I'm with. I think that's definitely a skill that you get through traveling. Very cool. No doubt. I agree. You learn so much about relating to people, you know, because I think that travel really helps you understand what makes us similar and then what makes people different at the same time, because you can see it firsthand just when you cross one border. You know, you see, obviously, there's a lot that makes us different and unique in our cultures, but then there's a lot of things that are the same. Yeah, so sure. Where have you learned the most about yourself? I know you did a bunch of different study abroad programs, but is there a specific place that you were like, wow, this is profound? Yeah, I think one really interesting perspective that I gained and realization that I had was I did an exchange program in Singapore. So I, as kind of a very contrasting experience to my previous study abroads, where I was one of many students from NYU, which is where I attended college 
most of my study abroad experiences were me and a lot of other NYU students going to one place together. And it kind of just felt like a lot of Americans like going around, mm-hmm. having a good time. And yeah, there's international students who go to NYU, but it still felt very like of a cohesive experience. But I think yeah. me going on this exchange semester in Singapore, where I was the only person from my university, I didn't know anyone else definitely felt extremely out of my comfort zone, even more so. And I think that I remember very specifically, that was the first time I think ever in my life, I had been the only American in the room. And just really getting to basically understand, wow, when people meet me for the first time, I somehow am like either validating or disproving whatever stereotypes they have about Americans and Mm -hmm. definitely educating people a lot about, hey, yeah, maybe you think this, but it's actually not the case. They're like, hey, you maybe never knew like we have active shooter drills in this country. And that's like a mind blowing thing when you tell that to some Europeans. So I think it was just a very eye opening experience to be like, wow, this is what it actually means to like be American once you take yourself out of this country and talk to other people and understand how people perceive you and how you kind of match or don't match those kind of stereotypes. Yeah, mm-hmm. no I relate to that in two ways. One, being in Russia this year, I was the first American that a lot of people I met had ever met. So that was kind of a cool experience. And I remember asking one of my girlfriends, what do Russian people think of Americans? And she said, they're just so smiley. <laughs> I thought that was the most hilarious thing. And then another experience when I was in Slovenia and Jordan's always on the road for his career, it was almost an eerie feeling. Wow. I don't know another soul. Like this was in Slovenia. I don't know if I said that, but I don't know another soul in this whole country. That's kind of a scary, but freeing feeling at the same time. You gain a lot of confidence from that. And do you feel like you gained a lot of confidence in yourself from travel? For sure. I really resonate with that feeling of like, I don't know anyone here. I can kind of be whoever I want to be. I kind mm-hmm. of saw every single new place I went if I was solo traveling or like if I was starting a new chapter of some study abroad experience with like new people who weren't necessarily my best friends. It is very freeing to be like, these people don't know me. No one here has any preconceived notions of who mm-hmm. I am or who they think I generally tend to act or how I am. You basically get a chance to start a whole new chapter and almost reinvent yourself. And I definitely felt like I was able to do that in some ways in my semester in Singapore because I was the only one there from my school and no one was like, hey, you're normally like this. It'd be weird if you acted like this. I think I was definitely like more outgoing than I normally am. And then that kind of became my personality moving forward because I felt much more comfortable in it. And it didn't even matter when I got back home that people were like, wow, you seem different in a good way. I was like, yeah, no, I definitely learned and changed and grew. You're always growing and changing. Right. And you should. Mm -hmm. And you should. I think, you know, what stands out to me First of all, I've never been the only American on my team, but there's definitely a difference between the times when I was one of two and one of eight. And I think really what I find is when you're somewhere new and you go out, like you're like, I'm going out for the day. And it's like every day is like an adventure every day like that, where you're like, I'm going out today. It's an adventure because you are, like you said, I don't know anybody. I can't even read the language. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to figure it out. It's not like the mundane every day. You know what to expect. Right. You know, there's surprises along the way. Right. Exactly. So you're 23 years old. You've already been to 78 countries Mm -hmm. and all seven continents. First of all, is your goal to visit every country in the world? I definitely have an intention of doing so. And I think it somewhat is like, yeah, that's cool to have been everywhere and check off the boxes. It's very cool to me the fact that like, 
I think the stat is that there's less people on Earth who have been to every country than who have been to space, which is mind blowing. So I think right. it'd be very cool to have that experience. But I think even more so than just kind of being part of that group to say, like, I've been to all 193 or however you define it countries. I think it'd be cool because one of the reasons I travel is to better understand people and be able to relate to people no matter what their culture or their origin is. So I think it'd be really cool to say, hey, no matter who you are, where you're from, I've been to your home country. I know a bit of your culture. And on some deep level, I already am able to relate to you and understand you just a little bit better than the average person. I think that's very cool. I I think that's an intention of mine. Yeah. So with that being said, what is next up for you? What are your like, these are the countries I'm ready to go to right now? Yeah. So, I mean, on my upcoming trip to Europe, I'll be hopping around the continent for about three weeks. I'm mostly going back to places I've actually already been just because I'll be traveling with my boyfriend and he hasn't been to Europe before. So it's kind of fun to always introduce people to a country and show them all your favorite spots. We visited right. Florence, which is a place that like I lived for five months. So I have my favorite restaurants, the street that I lived on, and that's all really mm-hmm. fun. But there's definitely a ton of places on my list of like, I need to go here as soon as possible, as soon as restrictions and like COVID right. kind of ease up. Same. We can all relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. I think probably top of that list are some of the places that I had actually solid plans to go to last year. And then they ended up getting canceled because I already had it planned out. I already know exactly what I want to see. So some of the places on that list would be South Africa, Sri Lanka. I actually had also originally been supposed to be in Nepal for three weeks and I was supposed to do a Mount Everest base camp trek. So I definitely want to get back there and do that. It's all a little timing dependent. So we'll see if that is able to happen in 2022 or maybe the year after, but definitely as soon as possible. Make sure you stay on top of your training for that. That's no joke. (laughs) Yeah, I love hiking. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's so interesting to hear the places that you went, even in university, because... A lot of my friends that did study abroad programs, they went to Spain, they went to Italy, but you're like, oh yeah, I did study abroad in Ghana and in Singapore. Very unique experiences. And I'm just wondering, did you select, you also said Italy, which is a little more typical, but did you select kind of exotic destinations on purpose? Was that like something you're like, I kind of want to branch out and do something different? I think partially, yes. I think so for the Ghana class that I did my first year of college, that was actually just the only study abroad opportunity offered to first year students. So I was like, whatever it is, I'm going to take it. I'm going to go. It ended up being so, so worthwhile. And I'm actually even to this day, five years later, I'm still involved with that professor. I literally just FaceTimed her this morning and we were talking about the nonprofit that we run in Ghana. So it was definitely a very pivotal life experience and I'm glad it happened. I have a very soft spot in my heart for Ghana and the village that we work with there. I actually FaceTime the students from that village and do reading sessions with them once or twice a month. So Love mm-hmm. that, even though it wasn't a very intentional kind of exotic, quote unquote, location. Italy, I ended up choosing kind of like between, I was like between London and Italy and figured at least there's more of a language, cultural thing to get to know in Italy, more so than just English speaking in London. So kind of felt out of the Europe options where it would be right. like a little bit easier to slowly dive into living abroad, not necessarily going to Asia, where I feel like it's not even Western culture. It's quite different. That was why I chose Italy. And then Singapore, yeah, I definitely, after having been in Italy and understanding like how difficult it can be with language barriers, I didn't necessarily want to launch myself into like studying abroad in Beijing, for example. I just mm-hmm. do not speak any Chinese. And that would be very difficult, whether I was in China or Thailand or anywhere where there was definitely going to be a language barrier. And it was nice because Singapore has four official languages and English is one of them. So 
I was able to easily communicate and get around, but I was also still exposed. Every sign in the subway was written in four different languages. Every Mm -hmm. different section of the island, kind of there was little India and little Malaysia. And I think I learned a lot from just being surrounded by kind of this culture that had three very prominent sub-languages or sub-groups. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, one of the reasons I picked Singapore was also because like, I knew I wanted to travel as much as possible. And Singapore has not only the best airport in the world, but also the most kind of like central location out of all of Southeast Asia. So I was able to visit literally every country in Southeast Asia in the span of my semester. That definitely wow. had something to do with it. <laughs> right. For sure. Very cool. So was there a place that you traveled that you can't wait to visit again. You kind of speak highly of all of them. So I'm just wondering, is there one that it's really like sticks making out? making you pick a favorite. We're not trying to do that, but like, yeah. where do you want to go back? But we're trying to do that. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's definitely tough. I feel like there's so many places that I went to and was like, oh my God, I wish I had more time here. Or I definitely just want to go back and re-experience the food or the trip and the culture. But I think top of my list of places I want to go back and definitely spend a decent amount of time in would be Australia. I did spend like two and a half weeks when I went there the first time, kind of like explored the Great Barrier Reef area up in northern Queensland, then got down to Sydney and Melbourne and saw all the cities. But for sure, want to go back and see the outback. For sure, want to do more of a road trip along southern and western Australia. There's just so much to see. I feel like people don't realize that Australia is basically the same size as the US. It is so large. And given a lot of the center of the country is just the outback, but there's so much to see and so many unique animals and things you just can't find elsewhere. So that's a place that I loved and really, really want to go back. Very cool. I want to go there as well. Yeah, uh, I would love, to, I would love to, to see Australia. So you said that you enjoy hiking, but I'm just wondering, how do you describe how you travel? Are you more of an adventure seeker? culture focused, food based, or just a mix of all of it. Tell us your niche. What's your travel niche? (laughs) Hmm. I feel like all of the above would be my answer, but I know that's not a niche. (laughs) I think it depends on what my goals are at a certain like point in life. On the seven month trip that I originally had planned last year, that was definitely like a lot of adventure stuff in there. I was like, I'm going to Antarctica. I'm hiking Patagonia. I am going on a seven week did I did have a backpack. That? So you were a backpacker? <laughs> she was a backpacker on that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, so I did my trip to Antarctica and Argentina all in the same backpack yeah, for like the coldest possible environment as well as sweltering hot Buenos Aires in their summer in January. I was like, I don't know how I did it, but I managed to pack for every season possible in one tiny little backpack that's just a carry-on. So if you need packing tips, I definitely got you. <laughs> oh, wow. You got those. I, very- can't, I can't even pack for a weekend in a backpack. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. We both just got back from trips and we took large suitcases. I was going for two days. This is embarrassing. I had a a carry-on and a backpack. That's so funny. (laughs) I only only used about half of what I took, but yeah. I'm definitely very intentional about like, am I going to use this shirt more than once? Am I going to use this outfit with multiple different things? When you're on a student budget and you're traveling, you don't want to pay for any carry-on items or check bags. You get really good at doing that. So what's your like number one packing tip? Is it packing minimally? I think being a little bit minimalist and understanding at least like, is everything I'm putting in this suitcase serving a purpose? And then also, honestly, rolling your clothes. I cannot speak highly enough. I'll have a fat stack of clothing on my floor. And as soon as I roll it all up, it like shrinks down because you can just kind of compress everything. I think that's the number one packing tip and get a good backpack. You can just like zip everything up and put it all together. I'm going to plug Tortuga backpacks here because I really like my Tortuga backpack. He's like obsessed with this backpack Thanks, that he Fred. recently got. Thank you, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> I 
can relate and it all sounds great, but I just have a problem. I like options. I didn't even, I wore half of what I took to Houston this weekend. Right. But I mean, she doesn't have an option if she's going from location to location. You have to make a decision. You can't just. Our long trip in September is, I thought about packing today and I don't know how I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely pack early. I think that helps if you have a little more spare time. I start laying out potential clothes and then packing things, seeing what doesn't fit and then eliminating some things and packing again and like eliminating more things and packing again. That's kind of how I'm able to like trim it down. Okay, we don't do that. No, we're like the opposite. Jordan will pack, he'll be gone for the whole year and he'll pack the day of. Not kidding. (laughs) Or the day before, maybe if you're really prepared. But yeah, no, you're right. I'm not trying to pack more than once. That's not. It's interesting, like travelers, how they have different techniques. You roll your clothes, we lay our clothes primarily flat. You prepare packing days ahead of time. We are last minute. It's just funny. You find your way and whatever works for you is what works for you. There you go. There's no right way. Right. There you go. No truer words spoken. (laughs) So I want to get a little bit more info about this. You got a job at Instagram and I can imagine a lot of 22, 23 year olds would love to work at Instagram Mm -hmm. or maybe now TikTok. But you quit, (laughs) right? So talk to me about that decision. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so first I interned at Facebook this summer after my junior year and then ended up converting to a full-time offer. For sure, I can say like that was up there of like the best job I could possibly ask for. I was like, how did I get so lucky? I was definitely very thankful. Loved the experience as an intern, even though like I ended up joining during the pandemic and didn't like fully get to experience the full, full-time worker. Even despite the fact that I was working remotely for the entirety of my like 11-ish months at Instagram, I got to be really close with a lot of my team. And I think could not speak more highly of it. Like, definitely did not quit because I hated the job or hated the company. It was more mm-hmm. just like, I think... I had this really big realization that you only have so much time in this life and on this earth. I think a lot of us are probably in this state of just like, what is life? What is important to me? Kind of like after a year of quarantine and pandemic and everything, just kind of being super reflective. I think a lot of people went through something like that. So I think I was at a point where I was just like, there is a lot that I could do with my time that I am uniquely positioned to do. I have a very unique like background and interest and passion for travel that not everyone has. Whereas like, Although obviously Instagram and Facebook are very selective companies to work for. It's not like no one else could do the job that I was doing. I wasn't specifically chosen and like destined to do this. I think anyone with enough training honestly could learn how to be a product specialist in Instagram. And I like the job. I feel like I learned a lot from it. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I'm so thankful for the fact that I got to work with a ton of super talented people very, very early in my career. And now feel like I have the tools to build a product or build a mobile app if I want to. But I definitely just feel like, especially I'm so young, I can always go back to corporate if I want right. to. Like, that's never going to go away. But I was like, I just need to do this now. If I don't take the yeah. chance to focus on my book now, get into entrepreneurship now, like maybe I'll never really get that chance to when I'm a little more like settled in life and have like a family to depend on and need a stable income. I can kind of take a little bit of that wavering in my life now. And I'm definitely really right. glad that I did it. Yeah, grasp the opportunity. We kind of feel the same in our life. So we I did that. totally we, can relate. We had that conversation. Actually, <laughs> it was in a similar time in our life where mm-hmm. it was like, hey, we can go get jobs or we can do this basketball thing that's going to take us all around the world. And, you know, KT was like, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. And you just got to seize the opportunities that come up. Definitely. 
Exactly. So you just mentioned that you are now a full-time travel entrepreneur. And you also mentioned that you wrote a book and it's Mm -hmm. called You Are Where You Go. Tell our listeners, when is it coming out and a little bit more about the book? For sure. So the book is kind of a, I would say it's like a travel memoir. It's definitely stories from my own personal experience, but don't try to make it all about me and like how my life is amazing. (laughs) That's not the goal. It's more of, I have a mission with the book to kind of inspire people to travel more. And most importantly, to see travel as a tool for personal development. I think this intersection of experiencing new places and letting them become part of who you are and like shape who you become is really something that I've learned through travel. The whole book title, You Are Where You Go, Every Place You Go Becomes a Part of You is definitely something I relate to very, very strongly. I don't think I would be who I am today if I hadn't had the experiences and experienced the culture and perspectives that I've gained along the way. And so each chapter is basically me sharing one of those perspectives or one of those insights or one of those lessons from a place that I've been and hoping that that inspires someone else to say like, hey, when maybe I go on my next trip, I'll be a little more reflective and be more open to looking for those experiences that can kind of give me these realizations rather than just being like, yeah, we'll go to Cancun, get really drunk and have an amazing time on the beach. There's a time and a place for that. But I think there's so much you can learn and grow when you just step outside your comfort zone and be really intentional through travel. Mm -hmm. When does that book become available to the general public? So it's coming out in November. It'll be November 23rd. It's the same week as Thanksgiving. So I think it's a good time. You can grab the book, sit down yeah. after dinner, read it. It is available for pre-order now through Indiegogo. So if you're interested in kind of signing up early, you can be part of my little author community and you'll get some special perks like a signed copy of the book. You can get your name in the acknowledgements. So that's going on right now. But yeah, definitely the big launch is in November and I'm so excited about it. Amazing. We're definitely... Big reader, specifically Jordan. I'll let him yeah. take that one. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll have to read it. Very yeah, I'll, cool. I'll, be, I'll be sure. I'll be sure to pre-order it. And I just want to say it's really impressive. I mean, I, I'm sure you probably heard this before, but just to have taken on so much at such a young age. Obviously, the travels is cool, but having the courage to say, "Hey, I don't want to do this right now. I want to travel. Mm-hmm. I want to write. I want to be an entrepreneur." It's really brave, and I just want to say it's admirable. Thank right. you. Yeah. So. We've had at least a couple exchange students on so far. And we, mm-hmm. from our understanding, NYU has some of the best study abroad programs. And U of M isn't too far behind. But what advice would you give for young people in college considering taking advantage of the opportunity that their schools are offering for study abroad programs? Yes, this is such a good question. Honestly, so... I mean, yes, NYU is definitely a unique school where they have such a network of study abroad sites, you can actually go to NYU Argentina or like NYU Florence or NYU London or NYU Shanghai. Literally, Mm -hmm. I walked into the NYU Florence campus and my phone instantly connected to Wi-Fi. I didn't even need a new password. It is too seamless almost. Yeah. So, I mean, I was really lucky to be in a school that offered that opportunity in that environment. And it almost was like most people who go to NYU go in knowing that they want to study abroad. So it wasn't even a factor of me being like, oh, maybe I'll miss out on things on campus. It was almost like, if you don't go abroad, you're going to be the only person on campus in the fall is like what it felt like for me the first time. So definitely Mm -hmm. was some positive peer pressure in that way. But I know that's not the case at most universities. A lot of my friends that I met during my exchange semester, they had said it really took a lot of thinking and self-reflecting and just self-convincing to be like, it's going to be worth it. I know I'm going to miss out on some things happening on campus. I know I'm going to get a little bit of FOMO, but I need to go do this and just like be that 
kind of black sheep, go out, do the study abroad. Yeah. And I would say that's definitely the mindset to have. I think a lot of people get worried of like, oh, I'm going to miss out on things happening on campus. But like, aren't you more scared of missing out on life? Or like, I'm Mm. sure everyone else is going to have more FOMO of you experiencing the world and traveling than they are just like having their typical like frat parties or football games. You're definitely Mm -hmm. having more fun if you go abroad. (laughs) I would say most people are not as just ready to go. A lot of people probably have some apprehension. That advice to just take advantage. We've heard it from study abroad or, you know, solo travel or whoever we've talked to. They're like, hey, just do it. Just go because it's Mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. And I think the opposite situation is Jordan and I both had hopes and dreams of going abroad and studying abroad during university and it just didn't line up or we had hesitation. So I love that advice. Just go for it. Try it. And it definitely helps if your university has these programs. Like you said, maybe it's not super realistic, you know, getting Wi-Fi as soon as you step into a certain area. (laughs) But nonetheless, it's still an amazing experience overall. I know it's been months for me since I've been overseas and I'm, I'm really missing it. It's so, it's invigorating. And it is. I'm sure you can relate because you went to, I don't know how many countries for your study abroad. Can you tell <laughs> us everywhere you went for your yeah, study abroad? Yeah, we want abroad? a list. <laughs> like, this was the beginning. Yeah. So study abroad, yeah, where did you go? Sure. So the first one was Ghana, did that for, it was a full semester long course, but we stayed in Ghana for a solid week and just were like, otherwise kind of like Skyping in with the villagers we were working with. Then I did a full five months in Florence. I was a full fall semester abroad for the first time living abroad, being very far from my family. Definitely was worth it. Definitely learned a lot, grew a lot. Then kind of right after that, I had gotten into a fellowship in Tel Aviv that was all about coding and entrepreneurship in kind of like this startup nation as Tel Aviv is kind of known or as Israel is known. So that was a really cool experience. And that was five weeks in Israel during my kind of winter break. Then the following fall, my junior year fall, I had gone to Singapore for full semester. Then I had gone to Abu Dhabi for a like winter course that I had taken there for a little bit less than a month and then had also gone as part of a class trip to Lima, Peru. So all in all, that was, I think, like six or five different study abroad experiences across five different continents. I definitely got a really wide range. To, I actually studied global business, so super, super relevant. Got to really mm-hmm. experience global business in Literally pretty much every corner hand. of the globe. Yeah. Yeah. So my follow-up question is, did you take any classes on campus? It sounds <laughs> yeah, like you have you ever been to NYU campus? <laughs> they're like, you show up and they're like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely felt like that at times. But I did try to strategically space it out where I was on campus, away from campus, on campus, away from campus. So I was never gone for too long. I actually was still very heavily involved in student life and campus life and like led organizations on campus during my senior year. And even though I graduated early and then spent a couple semesters abroad, I think in total I was in New York City for five out of my seven semesters. Winter break, study abroad didn't interfere with like being in New York. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. Definitely felt like people were always like, oh my God, you're back. (laughs) But it was worth it. (laughs) You got the best of both worlds, though. You know, you got the university experience as well as the worldly experience, which gives you a good launching point for life. And, you know, you kind of went one way more than the other. But do you have any tips and tricks to make, you know, that study abroad semester go smoother? Or, you know, say a first time study abroad student. 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely can be daunting to head into a study abroad semester, especially if it's an exchange student scenario where maybe you are the only one and you're really kind of desperate to make friends. But I think it's kind of good to just reality check yourself that like, hey, everyone else is probably in the same situation. Like you're not going to be weird if you ask people to hang out or if you ask people like, hey, I found this cheap flight. I'm planning out this trip. Do you want to come? One of the best parts of my exchange program was we had the Facebook group with all, I think it was like over a thousand exchange students from all around the world. And people would pop into the Facebook group and say, hey, there's like $50 flights to Cambodia this weekend. Who wants to come? And you just end up booking a trip with a ton of strangers who are obviously similar to you on some base level because you all are in college and like chose to study abroad and I never ended up going on a trip with someone that I didn't get along with I think because we had this inherent baseline of similarity just going to everything with an open mind is definitely the best way to approach any sort of study abroad experience letting yourself kind of take advantage of opportunities as they come up and say yes to things more than you say no to things I think is a general good rule of thumb because What's the worst that can happen? You'll probably have a good experience or at the very worst, you'll have a very good story to tell. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I like that. So let's just add some more value to some of our listeners. Like what are the logistics for studying abroad? Like what's included? Are they giving you your flight, your stay? Do you get your food? uh, What what, what do you get? How does it work? Yeah, I think for most universities, it might vary depending. So definitely double check before you take my word for it. But at least in my experience, the tuition transferred. So it was pretty much no change in the cost of attending university. If you had a scholarship at home, it would follow you for study abroad. Some of those short-term study abroad experiences I did, you were also able to apply for some sort of like scholarship, kind of need-based. So you could get your flights covered, you could get your meals or the kind of trip costs covered if you qualify for that. I think there's also a lot of external scholarships you can apply to. A lot of organizations exist to help fund cultural exchange and study abroad. And you can always apply for those types of scholarships as well. For me, it was like the tuition was the same. Housing was actually significantly cheaper. So that was a perk of going abroad. Maybe that's just me because I went to school in New York City and apartments are crazy expensive there. But when I went to Singapore, the cost of my housing for the entire five months I was in Singapore was just around $2,000. That's basically one month of rent in New York. So that was like five times cheaper. And that was an amazing savings that I could then kind of redistribute all that savings to travel more. Right. And I think the good thing That's is a well, solid travel abroad, budget. For <laughs> yeah. sure. <laughs> and when you go abroad, I think most places, maybe with the exception of a few key countries, the food and cost of living overall is like generally going to be cheaper than the US. So that's a perk as well. Definitely can save some money there. And well, that's because you, you manage, didn't go to London. <laughs> yeah, no, London's a little more expensive. That's also kind of a reason why I avoided going there for study abroad. But also a big perk was I was able to still work remotely for a couple internships while I was abroad. And if you're earning in US dollars, but spending in other lower currencies, that definitely goes a long way as well. Yeah, <laughs> these tips are really helpful and interesting for two people that wanted to study abroad. I think this will be really beneficial for students that are contemplating making that jump. I wanted to ask about the daily rundown. It probably changed from location to location, program to program. But were you taking class every day, five days a week? Or how did that work? Similar to being on campus? Like, or was it different? I think it definitely varied. I would say in my semester in Florence, it was a little more typical. I had class four days a week, you still have like a long weekend. But yeah, I was basically restricted to only doing kind of like three to four-ish day weekend trips to a different country. And then I actually had had 
basically my Wednesdays, I only had one class early in the morning. So I was like, okay, I have the rest of the day. I just used to run down to the train station after that class and take a day trip to some other city in Italy, basically by myself, because I was the only one out of my friends who had that schedule. But that was a cool way as well to see more of the country I was actually living in. But on my semester abroad in Singapore, that was an exception. And I don't know how I finessed this schedule, but I basically only had class one day a week. Every other week would have class two days a week. So some days I had, or some weeks I had six day weekends, which is like, that doesn't even make sense. That's basically the entire week is a weekend. I had class from like 8am to 8pm, like stacked, but it was a struggle, but it was worth it. I would do all my readings on the plane, be typing up essays in the airport lounges. It's a grind, but it's worth it. Man, you needed that travel budget, that extra money for the rent. (laughs) But hey, world's best airport. Yes. One day of class per week and a great travel budget. It's a great combination. Wasn't it just voted? Yeah, it's number two now, but it was at the time it was number one. Very true. true. So I'm thinking back to my college years. And at that time, I didn't have much money. And traveling can get expensive. You talked about finding cheap flights, etc. But is there any other ways that you kept the costs down? I mean, I was only working on minimum wage type of internships, although I was definitely working year round. I would work summer internships as well as during the school year, both in the fall and the spring and the winter, just kind of constantly working one or multiple jobs. So obviously having income helps, but also reducing expenses double helps. So I would say some of the ways that I really was able to do that besides just kind of like keeping an eye out for cheap flights was kind of like strategizing to stay in hostels. I definitely got used to just living in the hostel life. That was a very foreign concept to me at first. I thought it was very weird to have to sleep in bug beds with strangers. And especially doing that by yourself as a girl can be really scary the first couple times you do it. But I think just feeling empowered enough that like, a lot of people do this. You're not the only one out there dealing with this uncertainty and everything uh, made it better. And I also I think honestly, I so prefer doing like an overnight bus to a flight sometimes just because you don't have to get to the airport X amount of hours early. You don't have to often take an Uber all the way outside of the city to wherever the airport's located. You can always stroll up to a bus stop in the middle of the city, sleep on the bus if you're good at sleeping on buses. I kind of, I feel like my travel superpower is like knocking out on a bus or a flight just like immediately. (laughs) So taking overnight buses was super key because you can get a bus from like Florence to Germany for like eight dollars and then not only are you saving on time because you're sleeping you're saving on money because you don't have to spend money on an airbnb that night so i definitely think that was a big help as well and just being comfortable enough to eat street food you're not gonna die most likely if you're a little like cautious most likely (laughs) yeah i had some bad new york street food one time really in new york that's crazy yeah Yeah. that was a bad experience for me a long time ago i was in college still Oh, no. That sounds horrible. So I know that a lot of our listeners, especially our college-age listeners, are going to head to their study abroad offices after hearing this episode. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences. Everyone, go pre-order the book. And where can they find you and pre-order the book? Yeah, for sure. So you can check out my website. It's youarewhereyougo.com, just like the title of the book. And you can also follow the book slash author specific Instagram account is just called you are where you go. And my personal Instagram is Caitlin Lubis. That's spelled C-A-I-T-L-Y-N-L-U-B-A-S. There's 7 billion ways to spell Caitlin. So I always feel the need to spell it out. Talking to another Caitlin right here. Yeah, that's actually my birth name as well. That's why I go by KT. But yeah, I recently started following you and you're always somewhere new 
and exciting and you document it really well. So it's a good follow. Definitely. Thank Thanks for listening to another episode of On Arrival. We've had so much fun recording these episodes and sharing them with you every week. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. And don't forget to subscribe to our show, On Arrival Podcast, on all podcast platforms. We would really appreciate it if you would write us a positive review wherever you choose to listen. And look for us on social media at On Arrival Travel on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you're looking for more episodes, you can always head over to onarrival.com.